Welcome to the Unstoppable CEO Podcast. I'm your host, Steve Gordon. And in today's interview, I'm, I'm really excited to be talking with Thane Marcus Ringler. Thane is, um, he's got just a, a really neat background. Um, and, and I think we're going to learn a lot from him today. Um, and uh, just to give you a little bit of that background, he's a former pro golfer turned writer, speaker, coach, and entrepreneur living out in, in Los Angeles. He competed for nearly four years on, uh, on the professional golf tour. And, uh, and I know that we're going to learn a lot today. I played golf for a long time, uh, not nearly at that level, but I know uh, the kind of education that you get through the game. And uh, I know he's going to be able to share a lot with us. Now he works alongside freelancers and business owners and entrepreneurs to help them by taking the professional athlete's mindset and bringing that down to their everyday lives. He's really passionate about speaking to the journey, uh, you know, from growing through uh, some of the, the challenges that, that you run into in life. And so, uh, Thane, I'm, I'm really excited for you to be here. Thanks for uh, joining us on The Unstoppable CEO. Thanks for having me, Steve. It's going to be a fun conversation and just excited to dive into some of these ideas and, and stories with you today. Yeah, it's going to be fun. So, tell us a little bit um, about you and your background just beyond what we, we learned in the bio. Yeah. So uh, the, the origins started in Kansas of all places. So middle America and in the heartland, you could say, and grew up most of my life there. Uh, awesome place to, to, to be born and raised. And I, I ended up living about a mile away from one of the greatest golf courses in America, Prairie Dunes Country Club. And man, that's such a sweet place to, to grow up and um, really kind of training grounds for the, the future golf career. So I played golf starting at, you know, three or four years old at a very young age. My dad got a club in my hands and it was a great thing to go outside and do with him. And, you know, I, I, I was very active and competitive. I loved all things sports and all things competing. Definitely got some strong competitive juices from my parents. But, but as I kind of grew up through childhood, I really gravitated towards golf. And, and looking back on it now, it's it's interesting to me to see that a large reason why I gravitated towards golf was because of that competitive nature. I, I wanted a sport where I had 100% ownership of the results because I didn't want to have to worry about other teammates or people not pulling their weight or their slack, which was kind of the young, naive and ignorant <laughs> mindset <laughs> because the flip side of 100% ownership is that all failures and lack of results go on your own shoulders. <laughs> and so uh, it's definitely, like you said, a, a really great arena for uh, personal development at, at the very least. And so I, I ended up going to college out here in California at the Masters University. I played four years of golf there. And as I continued to progress, it, it became clear that it could be a good option to pursue um, golf professionally. And so my senior year, I, I put together a business plan and pitched it to um, dozens of people in my community and, and that I knew and, and other people that I was connected with. Um, and God blessed me with 10 to 11 sponsors and investors to, to really embark upon this journey. Uh, so once I graduated college in 2014, I was able to just to uh, take the leap and jump right in into the professional golf world and, and play, like you said, for three and a half years on different developmental tours and then overseas on the One Asia Tour for a bit um, in 2015. So I had a lot of amazing opportunities uh, and 
unfortunately, it didn't, it didn't turn into the career that I thought it would be. And um, that led to really me pivoting this last year at the end of 2017, the beginning of 2018 into all of the work I am doing today. So it's been quite the journey and I have definitely learned a lot along the way as we all do in life. So you went down this path and I would imagine at the outset you thought, well, this is going to be the career for me. And uh, I'm impressed by the fact that you actually put a business plan together. Um, I, I had no idea that, that that would be the approach to, to uh, pursue golf as a career, but um, but you've gone down this path. You've invested three and a half years. At some point, you look around and decide this isn't going the way I want to go. What what prompted that decision? What what moment did that kind of come clear in your mind that you needed to go a different direction? Yeah, it's actually a really. It was a really hard uh, place to get to, and. A big catalyst for it was an injury that I faced. So the second half of my professional career, I ended up facing a muscle strain in my back and then my left rhomboid, which is, uh, it was directly tied to the golf swing. And so this this muscle strain uh, kind of turned into a year and a half battle with it that repeated five different times over that year and a half. And it really left me very uncertain about whether or not, obviously, I'd be able to make a career or a living off of this game if I can't even compete consistently. And and really, even at a deeper level, whether or not I'd be able to play pain-free golf again, that was a, even a question mark. So it was a really trying time. And um, and it really halted all momentum that I was I was making in my career. You know, the average time it takes for guys to get to the PGA Tour, which is the goal, the, the best tour in America, in the world, um, it takes guys seven to 10 years to get there usually. <laughs> and so it's not an overnight journey and it takes a lot of grinding and a lot of um, learning through failure to get there. Um, so I knew I was on that path um, in, and you know, only two years in and having this injury pop up really um, through kind of a wrench in my plans. And so um, the interesting thing about that though is that it took me probably six months to almost a year to be fully committed to professional golf once I had started. I think, I think it's important to note um, that any of us, that when we're trying to do something that's really challenging outside of our comfort zone or with, a, with basically a high degree of, or likelihood of failure, it's really hard for us to be fully committed. And I really experienced this. I remember my college coach, he was telling me that um, you know, if you ask anybody on the PGA Tour what they would do if they weren't playing golf, well, none of them can give you an answer. They have no idea because they're 100% committed to this journey, to this endeavor with no plan B. Um, and, and for me, like I had, I'd heard that from my coach and I knew that to be true, but it's a lot safer to still have some type of contingency in, in the back of your mind. And so I, I didn't have a plan B, but I had a plan A.5 for probably the first six months. And that plan A.5 was really holding me back from being 100% committed and leaving the door open for doubts and fears and failures um, to creep in. And, and it just limited my ability. So it took me probably six months plus to get that full commitment, no plan B, no plan A.5 to be really sold out. And so once I got to that place, you know, only a year, year or so later, that's when the injury started. And so 
it was a it was a really hard time because I didn't have a plan B at that point, right? It was this was the option, um, and so I think through that time of just really evaluating, um, I, I was thankful it was a year and a half because it gave me um, enough time to really start considering. Okay, if I can't play golf, what would it be? What could I do? And and in that time, I started a podcast called the Up and Comer Show. And, and really I started, I had this idea of how can I repay my investors and sponsors if I can't repay them financially, what could I do to give them to say thanks? And that's where this idea for a book came from. And during one of the injury recovery times, I, I actually felt like God was giving me the space to really start and dive in. So I took three months to just puke out this first draft and, and get it on paper and get the ball moving. And, and that led a year and a half later to the book um, coming out this last November and and um, a lot of the work I'm doing today. So it's been definitely a process and it wasn't an overnight decision by any means. Yeah, I, I, I can imagine that uh, no, knowing what little I know about uh, golf as a profession, I've known a couple of pros in the past, um, it does take that that complete focus. Um, you, you talk a lot about the idea of mastery and, and when I think about that career path and one of the reasons I, I think that, that sports in general and, and golf in particular are such good teachers is that to, to get good, you, you have to kind of persist through that, that struggle to, to master all of the moves and all of the skills and, and the thinking and the mindset and all of that, um, and and I, I can I can see that just having that that little bit of seed of a doubt could could create problems. I, I think that actually happens in business a lot with uh, with business owners, mm. uh, particularly new business owners. If they've come out of a out of the safety of of a you know a job that provides a paycheck every two weeks, and and into the results economy where you're you know you're now only as good as as the last sale that you made. Um, it, it can be really difficult to sustain that if there's always in the back of your mind, an option B, you know, um, to go back to that world. Um, and so, yeah, I can, I can totally see that. So how did you, yeah. And just, just to make one comment too, on that, I think a great resource for anybody that is in that place or struggles with that, like we all do is uh, Seth Godin's book, the dip. It's all about, um, that place that we reach in any endeavor, whether it be a business or a career or sport, you name it. And it's about that place where we reach that low point, that dip of should I stick it out or should I quit? Um, and and he really kind of fleshes that out and breaks out the concepts within that. It's super helpful. But but you're right. It's, it's true across the board in any endeavor. Um, and that includes business owners. And, and the sneaky plan 8.5 is going to be there for most people. But if it is truly something worth doing, um, we got to be fully committed to do it. And I think the thing that really helps us do that is understanding, um, having a having a realistic or a, a right view of failure. Because a lot of times we look at failure as um, defining who we are versus describing um, something that we're learning from, right? And so a failure is really just learning what not to do so that we can learn what to do. Um, and when it's something that we're fully committed to, the, the fear of that failure is a fear that we're going to hit a dead end 
and we're going to have to go to the start line all over again. And that's not ever true because just like with me and professional, I played golf for over 20 years and you know, it tend, it turned out to be a dead end for me. It didn't reach the goal of, of playing on the PGA tour, but but the point is, I didn't have to go all the way to the beginning and start over again. I got to take a few steps back and take all the experience that I gained up to that point, pivot and pick a new trajectory and start moving forward with all of that experience. And so I think the same is true for any of us in, in a business endeavor, entrepreneurship um, or performance or athletics is that if we're fully committed to what we're doing whether or not it ends up being the success that we wanted it to be or the outcome that we thought it might be, it will prepare us for what's next, whether or not it's in this field or in a different field. We just have to do it faithfully. And so I think that that kind of understanding, that perspective really helps us be fully committed. And then also the the fruit of that full commitment is it unlocks our truest and best ability within that. Well, pursuit. yeah. And I, I think, I think you're, you're absolutely onto something there. And that's always the fear is that, you know, if, if something fails that, you know, somehow it's this colossal dead end and, and more often than not, it, it's really just an intersection where you get the opportunity to make a turn to the right or to the left and, and follow a different path. Um, it's funny. I, I've interviewed so many people through the podcast. I think we're up to you know, 108, 109 interviews at this stage. And in the conversations that I have with the guests before and after, you know, we get talking about something and invariably the, this idea of, of, uh, you know, failure and, and scars comes up. And, and if you do anything for very, I mean, if, if forget career wise, if you're just on the planet for very long, you've got scars. <laughs> Everybody has had times when things didn't go as well as they thought they would, and they're carrying around the the wound from that, um, you know. And it affects some people more than others, and some people carry it for longer than than others. But um, yeah, no, I I think that it, it's so important, you know, to recognize that. Yeah, I, I've you know I've been up to this point the path I was on isn't going to be viable anymore, but look at all this great stuff that I gained, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And there's a couple great quotes on it. One of them that I love is from uh, George Elliott, who said that failure after long perseverance is much grander than never to have a striving good enough to be called a failure. I think that's just beautiful because if we can like persevere and persist long enough, and it ends up being a failure, that's actually way better than having no pursuit of ours be good enough to be called a failure, right? Like that's keeping us in mediocrity versus really our full potential. And then John Wooden also said that failure isn't fatal, but failure to change might be. And I think, you know, it, it's it's a universal thing, like you said. And I think, again, it, it really harks back to identity. And, and if we can really just fight and strive for having our identity found in who we are and not what we do, that's really the key to unlocking our freedom from this fear of failure. Because the fear of failure is like saying that what I do is who I am. And those aren't true. Like who you are as a human being. And that's something that that's a God given thing that no one can take away. No one's going to be able to change that. Um, our identity that gets placed on top of that is prescribed from culture, from others, from roles. And that's important that describes 
what we do, but that never defines who we are. Yeah. And, um, I, I think this is, this is such an important topic that, uh, you know, most people don't think about it. I think deeply enough as they're, they're going through life, they see something as, as a failure and, and, and a dead end. And they don't really take stock of, of, um, the value that it can bring. Not that I'm a big fan of failure. I, I personally don't enjoy the experience. Uh, that said, every time I've been through one of those times in life, and it, it's happened a number of times where you feel like, okay, we're, we hit the dead end. We're going in a different direction. At the moment, it it feels like a dire situation, but as then you look back after you've made that pivot, made that change, and you look back, it, it always gives me greater confidence. Like, hey, mm-hmm. I can do this so much more quickly than I did the first time. I can go from yep. the setback to now back into you know positive progress easier than I did the last time I had to go through it. Um, and I, I think that's, that's an important thing to pay attention to because you begin to then look at, at these challenges as like, okay, I'm, I'm going through this learning experience, but remember how fast I did it last time. I got right back to where I wanted to be. Yeah. And, and I think you made a really good point there. It's failure is not something to glorify or deify. Like we're not praising failure, right? <laughs> it's not to say I want to fail. No, that's not the point. <laughs> the point is you will fail if you're doing something hard, right? That's a part of doing things that are challenging and really um, reaching into your full potential. It's a necessary part of the journey. So it's not about um, glorifying it, but it's also not about avoiding it. And it's about using it as our tutor and our friend and ally in helping us be who we're called to be, who we're created to be, um, and the work that we're called to do. And it's, it's like lifting, you know, it's like lifting in the gym. That failure on that 10th rep is a good thing because that's making you stronger and saying, okay, this is the limit of my strength right now. But in that failure, I'm actually getting stronger so that next time, I can get that 10th rep up. And, and I think it shows that, you know, it's cumulative. Like you were saying, it adds up over time. And it's what we learn the most from when we look back. And when I look back in my life, the, the things I learn the absolute most from are my greatest failures always, you know? And, and so it, it, it is a cumulative thing. It adds up and it also can actually give us momentum when we start embracing it. Because like you said, you can start failing fast. And it's really teaching you quicker and quicker what you really need to be focusing on and what you shouldn't be focusing on or how to do the, the right thing versus the wrong thing in, in your work or in different avenues. So I think you hit on some really good points there. Yeah. Well, I, I want to take a quick break here, Thane, and I want to come back and I want to talk about, um, about your book and, and the work that you're doing. And, and in particular, I want to talk about this idea of mastery that, that you talk about, because I think that's, that's such a critical thing for everybody listening to wrap their heads around what that really means. So we'll be right back with more from Thane Marcus Ringler. Hi, this is Steve. I hope you're enjoying this interview. We've got more to come in a minute, but what I'd love for you to do right now is rate this podcast, leave us a review, rate us on iTunes. It'll really help others discover the podcast and help us help other CEOs, other business leaders become unstoppable. So if you go to unstoppableceo.net forward slash iTunes, you can find instructions there and links that will take you right to where you need to go to review the podcast. Thanks so much. Now back to the interview. 
Hey, everybody. Welcome back. This is Steve Gordon, and uh, we're continuing our conversation with Thane Marcus Ringler, who has, I think, just given us some great insight into how to persevere and, and move beyond challenges that you, you come across. And uh, Thane, you've got a new book out. It's called From Here to There, A Quarter-Life Perspective on the Path to Mastery. Um, I'd love for you to tell us a little bit about the book, and I, I really love, love to hear your thoughts on this idea of mastery, what that means to you. Yeah. So like I had mentioned before, the the book really stemmed from wanting to give my investors and sponsors a gift back. And um, as I wrote it, I, I initially thought it'd be a book about um, how golf teaches you about life and makes you a better person in life. But as I wrote it, it really turned into a book about how to pursue excellence in any field or individ pursuing individual mastery. And the mental models or frameworks for doing that. And it, it was interesting now looking back on it because really, I guess what has happened is, is the lifelong pursuit of playing golf and then seven to 10 years of really diving into um, in college and, and then in professionally into um, how to develop into the best possible golf golfer possible, using those experiences to really then go into the mind and start forming these frameworks and mental models from those lived experiences to say, okay, what does this look like in real life um, in a in a principle or idea basis? And and from that, this book has been such a joy to to kind of now share and and to share both in written form, but also in verbal form, because it's, it's based on this, this phrase um, about mastery. And it says that mastery is simplicity on the far side of complexity, which is a really captivating phrase. It actually really caught my attention a couple years ago and stuck in, in my subconscious. And, and what that phrase is showing us is that this, this mastery, this thing, this personal mastery that we're pursuing, it can be um, defined in a 50,000 foot perspective equation, I guess you could say, or process. And that is simplicity, complexity, simplicity. And that's the path to mastery is saying um, it goes through those three phases. And that far side simplicity is that pursuit, that reaching on to that personal mastery. Um, and from that, I just break down each section into some further mental models, um, things to think about in each phase of the journey. Um, and I think this is really, it's been, it's been a cool tool to share with others, um, to empower them, because it's talking about things that we're all going to face in life, things like commitment, things like learning, um, being teachable, uh, fears that we face. It's talking about um, systems and how to apply them. It's talking about momentum. It's talking about failure. And it's talking about perspective. These these kind of mental models and themes for it. So it's, it's been really fun to, to share and, and it's been really cool to hear people's feedback on even this morning. Um, I, I got a text from um, someone that read the book and she said that it's the, the entire theme of the book has totally prepared me, propelled me forward with a new outlook uh, and new concept of what is possible and things like that. Like that, that's the thing that makes all of those hours and days and, the 18 month journey of writing the book, um, it makes all those efforts worth it. So I, I just been so blessed by it. So I, I love that definition, simplicity on the, on the far side of complexity. And, and um, I, you know, you talked about these, these three phases. I, I almost see that, that first 
simplicity is really more of simplistic. The first solution you come up with is often too simplistic. Then we make it complex. And then as we get to mastery, we can, we can truly simplify to the fundamentals, to, to what's really necessary. So mm-hmm. as you've kind of grown and developed over the last three and a half years through, through your golf career and now into your, your new career, um, how, how have you taken that idea and, and applied it? Where has it shown up in your life? Yeah, I think I think the thing that's been really cool about it is it just it it helps me grow and and I think the most important thing um for this whole path and and that is the key to unlocking the door to the the to mastery to far side simplicity. And that key that has kind of been highlighted in this journey has been the key of self-awareness. And so uh, in the in the sixth chapter, really the last chapter in the complexity phase, it's about systems, and in that it talks about both universal and individual systems for success. And so, in our lives, we're all learning universal systems, um, whether it be from our teachers in school, our parents, um, our coaches in sports, and then ultimately into our bosses and people that are giving us the systems that have been created for success within our current role or current work. Now, to be able to then move from the the universal or generally true systems that are given to us and then move into, that's the adoption phase, but then move into the creation phase of starting to create our own individual systems, the only way we can bridge that gap is by self-awareness. And I think that in today's society, in the world we live in now with technology and mass dissemination of information, it's growing increasingly hard and harder to, to have a, a refined self-awareness, to have a developed self-awareness. So I think ultimately um, this, this mental model, this equation to mastery has really helped me grow in my own self-awareness of where I am in that process um, in different areas of my life. And I think that highlights really two kind of universal realities about each one of us here, everyone listening and then both you and I, is that uh, we are all two things. We are all in a process and we are all on a spectrum, meaning we're all in a process of development of some type, maybe moving from here to there, moving um, from where we're at now to where we want to be, some type of development process. We're all in a process. And then in that process, each step of the way, we're on a spectrum within that that step, um, meaning there's usually two polar opposite realities that can both be true. And somewhere we're between those two polar opposites. And so self-awareness is really understanding where we at, where we're at in the process and on the spectrum. And I think that this equation has really this simplified understanding of mastery has really helped me identify accurately and objectively where I'm at so that I can better prepare and equip myself for the next steps ahead. So for, for somebody listening to this, what are some things that they can begin doing to increase their, their own self-awareness as they, they kind of get on this path to mastery? Yeah, I think uh, I think there's uh, self-awareness is is um is so important. So I think it's it just one is just believing and recognizing in the importance of it um and that it won't happen by chance. 
Uh, so th there's a threefold process that I like to talk about developing self-awareness in. And um, it's, it's defined as retroactively, actively, and then proactively. And stated in different terms, you could say it's discovering, it's understanding, and it's optimizing. So the, the retroactively or the discovering side is really looking back and reflection, reflecting back on life and saying, okay, why did I do what I did? Why did I say what I said? Or why did I take the action that I took? And sitting with yourself, your thoughts, usually a journal, writing down your mental process. Um, now, after you do that for enough time, you can start moving into the next phase, which is the actively or the understanding phase, which is seeing yourself more in the moment. So after you've done something in the moment, recognizing, oh, I just did this and this is why I did that, or I just said this and this is why. And so that's in the moment, recognizing what's causing what and growing in your awareness of, of why you do what you do in the moment. And then the proactively um, or the optimizing phase is really the, the far side mass simplicity, right? The mastery phase of of being able to know how you're going to handle a situation before you get there or how you're going to act in a moment before it comes and then being able to prime yourself for the action or the response or the words that you want to say in that specific moment. And so I think that's the just understanding that kind of process will really help us in understanding where we're at in it, but also how to move forward in that. Because again, like this is, this is things that don't just happen by chance and we really have to take the time to sit with ourselves and our thoughts. And there's a lot of tools to do this. I mean, things that are not very sexy, but they're simple, right? It's, it's journaling, it's meditating, it's getting feedback from others, it's listening to yourself. Um, there's a lot of things that we can do to grow, but, but ultimately it usually requires us carving out time of our day, pausing, reducing the noise around us, and really becoming um, comfortable and aware of ourselves. You know, that's, it's such a difficult thing to achieve these days. My wife and I were just talking about this as it relates to our kids. You know, they don't have a whole lot of, of time where they're disconnected from inputs from, from other people, you know, whether it's, it's music or texting or whatever, you know, as the older they get, the more constantly connected they are. And we, you know, and, the, the two of us were even kind of lamenting the fact that there aren't very many opportunities anymore just to sort of sit with your thoughts. Um, but really that's what you're talking about is the, the only way to become self-aware is sort of spend time with yourself and, and uh, do that without bringing along the, the inputs of others. Um, it's a difficult thing to do, I think just because of the way society is, but, but boys are valuable. And, you know, a lot of people will look at it as being, unproductive time. But I actually think that the time that I spend, um, you know, taking a walk without having earbuds, you know, in my ears, listening to something where I'm just taking a walk and thinking, uh, probably some of the most productive time I ever have. Um, mm. You know, I used to, uh, back in the, the late 90s, used to drive all over the state of Florida with, uh, you know, my company at the time. And, and, uh, I called it windshield time. And a lot of times we'll be driving through the middle of nowhere and no radio. Um, and it was fantastic because you just had, you had quiet and uh, you can work a lot of things out. I think um, 
and, and answer a lot of questions for yourself when you get that time, if you give yourself the space. Yeah. And, and not only that, I would have been add, it's going to add so much to your overall well-being and um, happiness, I guess, at the end of the day, because we think um, that being connected is what's giving us joy and happiness, but it's really just playing with our, our neurochemistry within our brains and our body. And, and instead, it's actually disconnecting from that, which will bring us true joy and happiness. But we're training ourselves um, in harmful ways. And that's the hard part is, and it's unintentional, right? Like, well, I mean, there's, there's intentional things about it that aren't great, but there's a lot of, it's just unintentional. Like we're, it's the power of culture and social proof. And so the big thing I I'm really focused on um, this next year, especially is how can we as a, as a uh, society and as a country, how can we start utilizing these um, natural levers that we have and how we operate as humans? How can we start using things like social proof and the power of culture to start influencing us for good instead of for harm? How can we start helping ourselves help ourselves in these areas? Because we need help. Like it's not just your kids and the next generation, right? It's us too. And we struggle with this. I mean, we've been affected by, it, but you, you know, when you're, when you're younger, you're even more susceptible to it. So it is a growing problem. It's not going away. So I'm interested to keep thinking of and creating more solutions with others about how can we counteract this, this trend and start turning it around for good. Well, I'll be watching for that. Um, because we're, we're always looking for a solution there. Um, I, I want to, before we wrap up, I want to talk a little bit about another aspect of this idea of mastery. So it's one, I think it's one thing to take the time and, and, and really understand yourself. And, and I think that's necessary for it. But I also know that there's this factor of, of practice and repetition. Um, I know that for you to be even at a level, you know, where you were at in golf, I mean, the number of golf balls you had to hit to get mm-hmm. that that groove down perfectly so that you brought that club back to that ball in the same place with the same timing every time. You didn't just go out there and hit five balls and make it happen. <laughs> no. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yes, no, it's, it, there's a great quote by uh, Michelangelo and he said, um, let me just, I don't want to butcher this. Let me just find this real quick. He said that, um, he said that if people knew how hard I had to work to gain my mastery, they would not consider it so wonderful at all. You know, <laughs> and it's like, that's is that exactly it. You know, it's at the, there's literally no substitute for the work you have to do. You just have to do the work hours and hours and hours and on end. Um, and that's life, right? Life is not sexy. Life is not glamorous. All these amazing things that you see images of, are pictures of, you know, one one hundredth of the reality of what got them there. And the reality of what got them there is years and years of persistent effort and work in one direction with one focus. And the same is true with, with the golf pursuit. And, and it definitely does not happen overnight. And it definitely does not happen by chance. It takes intention and effort over a long period of time. Um, and that really, I think, speaks to what, what, what's important for us, which is enjoying the process, right? I mean, there's always going to be a process 
and the process really is um, the beauty of life. I, I think that even harks to um, Ralph Waldo Emerson talking about that um, life is a journey, not a destination, because any destination is ultimately made a destination by the journey that it took to get there. If you're just you know, going on a run and you run up a small hill and it's got a good view, well, if it didn't take that much work to get there, you'll enjoy the view for a little bit, but you're going to move on pretty fast. Now, if it was a mountain that you climbed up to get to that view, you're going to actually appreciate that view a lot more. You're probably going to spend 30 minutes, maybe an hour up there just enjoying that view. And and that's why the, the journey is what makes the destination the destination. And, and that's why it's important in life to really enjoy the process, enjoy the hard work that it takes to get to that mastery, because that's really where a lot of the joy comes from anyways. Yeah, I think that I'm so glad you shared that because I think for a lot of people, especially right now, and this, this ties into what we were talking about with, um, you know, some of, some of the distractions that are out there. A lot of the stuff that you're seeing people share these days is sort of the curated version of what it's like, right? So, um, you know, I, you write, um, you know, you've written a book. Um, I, I've, I've got a couple of them out there. I've, I've written thousands and thousands of, of, uh, emails and, and marketing pieces and all that over the years. And, you know, if, if somebody saw what it really took, right. Mm -hmm. To do that, I, I don't know how you went about your writing process. I know when I wrote my first book, the only way I could get it done was I had to get up at like five o'clock in the morning or four four thirty in the morning and write for an hour every day. And mm. and little, I mean, at first, I gotta tell you, I was slow. It wasn't great. By the end of that book, I was cranking out, you know, 1,500 words an hour, which is not a bad pace. Um, and most of it, you know, stayed in the book at that point. But it took, you know, 30, 60 days of every day doing that. And and not only that, it took two years of, of, you know, writing on a daily basis leading up to that before I even got to the point where I could contemplate putting a book together. And, and I, I don't know what your process was like, but I imagine it was, it, it wasn't like you just woke up one day and like by, you know, the end of the day, the book was done, you know? And, and I think people, no. <laughs> people look at this, like, like you're looking at Instagram or you're looking at Facebook and you see somebody's done this wonderful thing but you, you don't see the bottom of the iceberg that, you know, all of the effort and work that it went into it that was completely unglamorous, you know, the waking mm -hmm. up without brushing your hair or brushing your teeth and putting on a cup of coffee and sitting down and cranking it out or going to the driving range for the third time in the day to hit another hundred mm -hmm. balls when your hands are already blistered and bleeding, right? You know? Yeah, no, it's, it's so true, man. I, I love this because, you know, again, it's not, we're not, we're not going to say that these tools are bad. They're great tools, but we have to see them for what they are. They're snapshots of the best and they're, they're there for inspiration. That's what they're there for. So let's stop using them for anything else. Let's stop using them for envy or jealousy or things like, if only my life was X, Y, or Z, like they're not there for that. They're there to see inspiration. And if honestly, if it's not helping you, if it's hurting you, stop using it. <laughs> like it's as simple as that, you know, like we need to have, and that really speaks to the fact that inspiration needs to be a small part of the process, but a much, much, much larger part of the process is discipline. 
discipline is a thing that gets us to where we want to go. And, you know, Jocko Willink talks a lot about discipline equal equaling freedom. And that's really true, right? It's discipline is what unlocks our freedom to do, um, to create within that structure um, and to really do the things that we want to do. But we have to start with discipline. It's saying no to the moment to say yes to the future. And, and that's a daily practice. That's waking up every day at five, like you're saying, to write. And, 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 and literally, it feels like banging your head against a wall much more than it feels like a walk in the park. So, Yeah, I mean, I think there's a lot, um, a lot to be said for being okay with being bad at something in the beginning and, uh, and still getting it out there. Um, you know, I, I'm sure you went through that in athletics. I'm sure you probably went through that in, in you know, as you built up your current business. And I, I know that uh, the only way I've ever learned is, is to go do something and get it out and see what happened and then adjust. And, and it's that magic of, of the repetition of that cycle that, that really, you know, helps you improve and helps you get to that point of mastery. So, uh, yeah. And I think one of the, one of the, just one more thought is that one of the greatest blessings in life is to see progress. Progress is such a blessing to see like growth. I mean, one of the best parts of working out or going to the gym is to see the tangible results of that in your body. Like that's, so fulfilling and encouraging and same with golfer or, or business or any pursuit seeing the results the fruit of your labor is such a blessing um but it just takes a lot of work to get there and um and it doesn't happen by chance and it doesn't happen overnight i think those are just really helpful reminders and one of the quotes that i loved recently this guy diego simila said that forward progress is not a finished process and so um <laughs> We can always be making forward progress. And, and Harrison Ford also said that there's no limit for better. So that's really, you know, it, it's endless. There's an endless supply that we can keep making progress and improve and be better in. And it's such a blessing to can be on that journey. Yeah, that's fun too. If you if you approach it with the right attitude, it's, it's tremendous fun. Well, uh, Thane, this has been fantastic. We could probably sit here and, and use up the rest of the Friday afternoon we're recording this on uh, just to talk about this stuff. But um, I know you've got a schedule uh, and things to do. So before we wrap up, the book is, um, is from here to there, a quarter life perspective on the path to mastery and where can folks find the book um, and, and check it out? Yeah. ThaneMarcus.com is where I house everything. So that's the books on there. Um, the speaking I do is on there. Uh, coaching practice I have is on there and then some links to my blog and the podcast. So check out ThaneMarcus.com. I'm on the socials at, at ThaneMarcus uh, and Instagram is probably the one I use most, but um, would love to have you guys reach out and say hi and uh, connect with you. Awesome. Well, thanks for investing a little bit of time with us today. This has been a lot of fun and, and uh, I hope everybody's learned a lot from, uh, from hearing what you have to say. Thanks for having me on, Steve. I, I really enjoyed it. A lot, of, a lot of fun. What a great interview with Thane Marcus Ringler. Uh, I got to tell you, this whole idea of mastery is, uh, is one that I have become more and more focused on over the last couple of years. And, uh, and I'll tell you, um, as, as I've ignored more of the short-term uh, quick growth strategies and really focused on what we do best and, and focused on, on mastering just these few things, our progress has 
accelerated. And I want to encourage you to really look at your business and, and look at where you can apply the idea of mastery, whether it's in your marketing or in the service that you deliver or whatever it is that you do, where you can apply that idea to create sustained progress over time. Now, I want to talk really quickly about some things that are coming up here at The Unstoppable CEO. We've got uh, three things that I think are important. Number one, um, we have just gone through and, and uh, as a team, we've decided to cap the number of clients that we're accepting into our done-for-you marketing program. And so if that's something that you've been interested in the past um, and uh, you want to check that out, we have we've capped the number of clients at uh, a total of 21. Um, we're approaching that cap right now. And so if, uh, if that's something that you think you need help with, let us know. Um, you, can, you can simply go to the website, go to unstoppableceo.net slash apply, and uh, you can find out more there, or you can email me, steve at unstoppableceo.net, and we'll get you the details for that. Uh, second thing is that uh, I've got a brand new training webinar that we're working on, and uh, it's complete redesign. So if you've been to one of our webinars over the last year or so, uh, we've actually now taken some some new learning. That's one of the great reasons to to focus on masteries. We're always learning and honing and improving our approach to things, and that's going to be built into this brand new training webinar. It's going to be offered completely free. Uh, so stay tuned for details on that. Uh, we'll be announcing that through our email list and here on the podcast. And then finally, um, for the last two months, I've been releasing. Uh, a series of Saturday articles. So every Saturday morning, um, we send a new article out. And for the most part, we're not posting these articles on the website. You can only get them if you're subscribed to the email list. And um, and I've been really pleased with the feedback. We've really had the strongest feedback that we've had to anything that we've ever published. Um, and so I'm excited about them. We're going to keep doing these every Saturday. Um, I get a lot of, of uh, joy, frankly, from writing them. And I love the feedback that we're getting and the questions that are coming in. Um, and so if you're not getting those, the way that you get them is you, you need to get on our email list and uh, and subscribe. And uh, and I know you'll want to do that. I know you're going to get great value out of it. So if you're, you're, if you're listening to this, but you're not on our email list, go to unstoppableceo.net slash sign up. And what we're going to do is when you sign up there, you're going to get an email with um, access to uh, a couple of the, the most impactful articles that we've sent out so far. You can't get them anywhere else. They're not available uh, readily on the website. Um, and so you can go there and get them and then you'll get a new article every Saturday morning. So you can have coffee with me. All right. That's it for this week. Thanks for being here and thanks for listening. And we'll talk to you next week. Thanks for listening to the Unstoppable CEO Podcast. Help others discover this show. Leave a review and rating on iTunes at unstoppableceo.net forward slash iTunes.